Well, the big news last weekend was the ACC expanding to 18 teams, but that is still a year away. So for now, it's time to begin our conference preview series, and we start with the still 15-team ACC. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton. He is your host, Isaac Shade. What up? And today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code college for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Folks, it is the start officially of the conference preview season here at Locked On College Basketball. I'm so excited about this. We did not start the show until the first day of the season last year, so we did not get to do conference previews. So this is kind of our first crack at it, starting them here in early September, because we're planning to bring you previews on every single conference in America. We're going to do Division One in Division (laughs) One. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that, is a, that is an important clarification. We're going to do 30-minute shows for the Power Six conferences, as well as the WCC, the Atlantic 10, the AAC, and the Mountain West, spread out over the next few months. We're also going to do little segment previews for each of the other conferences as well. Today, we're just going to kind of keep rolling with the ACC train. Isaac did a fantastic job Choo-choo. breaking down new stuff going on in the ACC starting next season with Stanford and Cal and an insanely cross country conference being started there but since that's not impacting the ACC this year we're going to talk about what some of the biggest storylines are heading into the season make some predictions for who we think is going to win the regular season some potential dark horse teams in that conversation as well close out the show with some rapid fire predictions for ACC first team player of the year coach of the year freshman of the year all of the superlatives coming up to close out the show Isaac Let's start talking about these biggest storylines in the ACC because we know the big one that just happened isn't impacting this year, but what are the things coming into this year that we kind of want to talk about with this conference? I think the biggest one, Andy, right out of the gate is the ACC just not being that tippy-top elite, the like the basketball conference mm-hmm. in recent years that it had been. My Here's my take on why. Once uh, the ACC added all those Big East schools earlier mm-hmm. in the 20. 20- tens you know um interestingly several really good basketball programs but Mm -hmm. it's just in made certain that year after year there's going to be some bottom feeders that just aren't there previously when the acc was just at nine schools that's when it was going year after year because Mm -hmm. there weren't i mean you might have like one school every year that just wasn't up to snuff with everyone mm-hmm. else. And that's kind of why the big 12 has been what it's been lately. This yeah. uh, conference that has been right there at the tip top. And so I, I think that is probably the biggest storyline for me to watch is does the ACC get back to who it's been, or is it another year of this? But Andy, mm-hmm. here's what's interesting to me in this whole conversation. I'm curious if you feel the same. Um, let me lay that out and then I'll let you uh, see mm-hmm. if you do. I feel like we look at this uh, in, in terms of the ACC because of like Ken Palm rankings and computer numbers mm-hmm. in totality of the ACC. While at the very tip top, we've still seen the ACC do really well. For example, I was just kind of poking around on this with some numbers and I had seen uh, Cooper Watson, who writes mm-hmm. for Busting Brackets and other stuff. Mm-hmm. He was talking about the last two NCAA tournaments. 
in terms of bids, the ACC has had 10 total, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the other five power six conferences, so Big East, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC, have had 62 bids in that time frame. But here's what's interesting, Andy. In those two years, the ACC has had three Final Four participants, while the other five have had the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. So the ACC is still doing it at the top end. Yeah. And with Andy, let's face it, what matters most postseason success. That's what people remember. And as far as that goes, the ACC has been right there. Well, what do you think about all this, Andy, from the, do we look at it from the, from the totality perspective? Do we look at it from the top heavy perspective? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You brought up the, the 2013, 2014, the, the supposed death of the big East conference, which very clearly did not end up becoming the death of the big East conference. But what happened is the ACC added programs that are they, they're like ACC caliber programs. And certainly the moves were made primarily with football in mind. And obviously there's a big element of it there, but a lot of these programs have come in and, and not really risen the, the middle of the level for the college basketball on the men's side. And Boston College is kind of has just been an adequate program. You know, Miami obviously has been fantastic. So it hasn't always been been that. But it's interesting to see that the ACC adding more programs hasn't necessarily risen the entire conference. Uh, we still have the top of the conference, but you just have a lot more not so good teams. And now, of course, again, we we know this isn't a storyline for this year, but it's hard to ignore the fact that they just added three college more three more men's college basketball programs who probably aren't going to elevate the the league that much based on at least recent success uh, for those three teams. So it'll be interesting to see as conferences continue to get bigger and bigger and continue to add programs that you know aren't necessarily at the top or even in the middle of those conference. It's it's continuing to to weaken those conference schedules and, and makes teams that are at the top like Duke and Carolina, they, they play more non, not fantastic games. <laughs> non quad one games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're playing more quad three games or, or quad two games, or even in some cases quad four games. And, and it's not helping raise the entire level of the league. And you, you see the ACC again, I think you want to judge a conference more by the, how the top of the conference does. But when you look at the big 12 and the big East right now, like top, you know, top three teams, big 12, big East ACC is, is fairly close, but when you don't go top to bottom, yeah, the big East has some bottom feeders. DePaul has been at the bottom for a while. Butler hasn't been good in the last couple of years, but the ACC has more teams like that. And I think that that is kind of dragging it down a little bit. It doesn't seem to be impacting them dramatically in terms of, overall success in the NCAA tournament. So I think that if that's not getting impacted all that much, it's probably fine, but you are continuing to see that. And I think the the future of the ACC is going to continue to go in that direction with the recent moves. And it's going to be interesting to see as the other conferences around also mm-hmm. balloon up, how that all plays out. ACC mm-hmm. last time they were number one at Ken Palm was 2007. Andy, I think the other big talking point for us here is coaches. Mm-hmm. For a couple reasons. Number one, we've got three new coaches coming into the conference this year. Syracuse, obviously. Man, Jim Beheim, another titan of the game, Mm -hmm. stepping away. Adrian Autry, Adrian Red Autry stepping in. This is his first head coaching gig. He's Mm -hmm. been on staff at Syracuse since 11-12, played at Syracuse in the early 2000s. Uh, Notre Dame, obviously Mike Bray stepping away. Micah Shrewsbury comes in from Penn State. And then Josh Pastner and that beautiful mask leaving Georgia Tech. And in comes Damon Stoudemire, who's coming from the Celtics, but prior to that had been a head coach at Pacific. Andy, outside of the coaching carousel, here's why I bring this up. Mm -hmm. 
I want to look at the conversation of who becomes the elder statesman in the mm-hmm. ACC now. And I know we're having that conversation at the national level too, but you just lost a couple years ago, Roy Williams, mm-hmm. two years ago, Mike Krzyzewski, now Jim Beheim. I mm-hmm. think we're very close to Jim Laranega being done. I think we're very close to Leonard Hamilton being done. Mm-hmm. And so now where are we at? Who, who carries the banner as the coach uh, like the coach of the ACC, the mm-hmm. face of the ACC. My it, my guess is Tony Bennett, but I I mean I think he's the one to carry on after mm-hmm. Larinaga and Hamilton move on. What do you think? Yeah, no, somebody else. Yeah, I think it is Tony Bennett, and I think it, it speaks to the level of of coaching acumen in the ACC that they can lose. Hall of Famers like Coach K and, and Roy Williams and Bayheim and, and these fantastic coaches and are, like we said, probably on the verge of losing Leonard Hamilton and Larinaga, who are, you know, a step below those guys, but still obviously very successful coaches. Yeah. And you turn around and you look at, you know, five or six fantastic coaches leaving the conference in the last few years, and they still have Tony Bennett. Like, there's still a, a fantastic <laughs> elite top yeah. 10 coach in the country still coaching in that conference. And I think that speaks to the level of, of success that the ACC has had. And while, yeah, we talked about there being a bit more bottom feeders, there's still a lot of strength at the top. And to me, Tony Bennett, you know, he, he's, his style is a little, it's not a little unique. It's very unique. Uh, it's specific to what they do, uh, but the, he's had so much success the last few years, got himself a national championship. And I think uh, it's a team that I expect to continue to be at the top of the ACC going forward. And I think, especially when Larinaga and Hamilton are gone, uh, Tony Bennett's going to be kind of the face uh, of the ACC from a coaching perspective. But I also don't think that John Shire is is all that far behind. Uh, he's got more, he's got a lot more years to get up to that full level, but he's a coach who has had a, a, a ton of success already. And I think, you know, we'll see if, if Hubert Davis in North Carolina can turn things around, but those two programs are so kind of entrenched in college basketball that if those coaches have even an adequate amount of success, they're going to be kind of up in that top echelon as well. I think that's a great point. Yep. Going to be really interesting to watch what happens there. Andy, we got quickly here. <laughs> we got anyone you think is on the hot seat right now? You know, it's funny. Not really. We kind of we talked about this a little bit and was kind of looking ahead, but it's too early for Kenny Payne. I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. We'll see what happens. uh, Is it? It's too early. I think it is. I think it is. But but at the same time, if this season goes completely awry, then I I still don't think he's going to get fired after this year. I really don't. I think that because and and Trenton Flowers losing him is is a tough loss. Man, that's one really hurt them but if if he can get something positive out of sky clark if they can get something positive out of the incoming freshman even if the season isn't great if they win three games again then yeah maybe we are having this hey they got four i think andy give them credit (laughs) but if they win eight which is still not a good season if they win 12 but we see those freshmen playing well maybe they, they land a nice recruit in the class of 25 during the season i think he sticks around and other than that I don't really see anybody else. I think the coaches that would have been, they're all gone. Notre Dame made a coaching change. Georgia Tech made a coaching change. Bayheim's out the door. Like those are the programs that I think it might've happened at. I don't think Hamilton's going to get fired because he's such an iconic figure for Florida State. So to me, I don't think there are any, Payne is probably the closest. I'm not sure Brownell's on the, really on the hot seat at, at Clemson. I don't think Hubert Davis is on the hot seat yet for North Carolina. So to me, I'm not really sure I see any, I think it'll be a much quieter coaching carousel offseason in the ACC next season. Yeah, that would be great. And listen, I I, I questioned the Kenny Payne thing, but hear me, yeah. I, I am a patience, uh, a patience mm-hmm. preacher. Like, 
Uh, I just talked about on Friday's show how in this day and age, Coach K might have been fired before he could have made Duke into what Duke is. Mm -hmm. And so, man, I'm all on all about giving a guys more years than we often see. And so my pushback is just because that's where it's at. I'm with you. Give Kenny Payne a little bit of time there. All right, Andy, speaking of Duke and North Carolina, as we have neither of them won the ACC last season, but might they be the favorites again heading into 23-24? Maybe Miami or Virginia could take the crown. Any dark horse candidates to rise up and join them in the top ranks? Uh, We're going to tell you about that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I'm putting on that free white tech hat, Andy. You know it looks good. Listen up. Uh, It's football season. The temperatures are cooling off, and that's why, Andy Patton, I'm so glad I just got some Bird Dogs pants for the first time. Because, my man, I know you got some too recently. We were talking about it. These things are so crazy comfortable, folks. You need to get a pair. Even if it's still warm where you live, like me in southwest Missouri, where it's 95 outside today, gross. I got to go weed eat after this, and I'm not looking forward to that. But seriously, because they're so cool, I can even wear them right now in this climate. Beyond that, my wife, she's been telling me I look pretty good in these pants, Andy. And uh, so if any of you out there are looking to catch the eye of somebody, maybe you should get some Bird Dogs pants as well. I love Bird Dogs pants also because they use this anti-stink sweat wicking fabric 95 again, let me remind you that. It keeps you cool and dry all day long. Bird dogs are functional for any occasion. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter the promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle. Kind of looks a little bit like this with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you that. Folks, college football season is upon us. You know it. And Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, showing up on every Locked On College channel's YouTube page. Make sure to go check it out. You don't want to miss it. Andy, you or I mentioned, I said you mentioned it. I'm the one that's talking about it coming into the break. But it feels like with what Duke is coming back, they have to be the favorite in this thing, right? But let me put it to you this way, because Andy, you've done a great job recently talking about how we often make these assumptions about these programs returning a bunch Mm -hmm. of players who had pretty good years, but maybe not phenomenal years, and what they might do and the steps they take forward. So Andy, is this another cautionary tale like North Carolina last year? I think that's kind of the light you painted it in. Or is it like, oh no, Duke's bringing back these dudes, plus all the freshmen that are coming in and move out of the way, this is going to be a juggernaut. Where are you landing on that? Yeah, I think probably a little bit more of the the latter than the former, but I do think that there there should always be caution about like, this team returned a whole bunch of players, but like, but how good was that team? Like if the team returned all five starters and won the national championship, like that's different than like Florida, 05 and 06. Right, exactly. But like, you know, and again, the the flip side is Purdue. Like they returned all five starters from a team that lost to a 16 seed like that. You know, there's got to be some context and a little bit of uh, you kind of have to evaluate each situation a little bit differently. And with Duke, that was a team that probably underperformed from what most people would have expected, but they also got hot at the right time. Yeah. We saw them kind of play together well as the yeah. season went on because they were injuries played freshmen. a role. Yeah, they, they had injuries. They had just freshmen. And now you return a lot of those players who are sophomores, but have a whole year playing together. I do think with Duke, some of the important kind of conversations that need to be had are, 
were they able to adequately replace what they lost? And for me, like Derek Lively was a huge piece that they lost in terms of rim protection and rebounding and kind of an enforcer down low. Yep. Yep. And Kyle Filipowski is fantastic. We're going to talk a lot more about him later in the show. And we're going to talk a lot about him this season because he's one of the best players in college basketball coming into this year, but that's not really a role that he plays. So like you have to figure out what, what were the things that were missing from last year's team that they haven't replaced? And then what are the things that, you know, that, that they did lose. And, and I think you, you look at this team and, you know, getting Roach back and Proctor back is massive for that guard room. But beyond that, they also add Jared McCain. They also add Caleb Foster. Like, so they add to an area that was already strong. So I think that you can look at Duke and see, well, they didn't just bring back the same guys and not add around the fringes. They did. They added pieces that I think are going to fit really well. There are still questions. I have questions about rim protection and overall front court defense. I have questions about whether Flip's going to play the four or the five. Who else is going to play in that spot? Is TJ Power going to step into a starting role as a five-star freshman? Like, is Sean Stewart going to be in that role? Like, they have some guys coming in who could fill those spots, but – I do think there are a few questions because, again, not every team is going to be North Carolina. North Carolina's team last year was unique in an unfortunate way, but everybody <laughs> looked at that team and thought four out of five starters are back. The one play guy that left, they replaced him with a similar player. But part of the problem with Carolina is that the guard room, while it came back, there was some issues that really came to a head last season. I don't see that with Duke. But it doesn't mean no. that they won't that have Proctor some... Roach backcourt man yeah. is going to be something yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's really loaded with the talent they have, but there are still spots on that roster that they're not a flawless team. No team is flawless, but I do see some areas that could trip them up during the season. I'm I'm interested to see if Filipowski can improve his three-point shooting from mm-hmm. last year. That's probably my biggest uh ding on him from last year, but you know, will he need to? Mm-hmm. Um Andy right behind them. I know we need to keep going. I think uh Miami bringing back so much of what they have. Yeah. Uh, I know they lose Isaiah Wong and I know mm-hmm. they lose Jordan Miller, but getting in Matthew Cleveland, yeah. uh, you expect uh, Norchad O'Meara to take another step forward. You expect Nigel Pack to take another step forward. I think it's Wooga. them. Wooga. Wooga. We need to do that anytime. Wooga. Yes. Uh, I think it's some combination of Miami and North Carolina as the other potential front runners. Um, you know, obviously somebody else has to jump up because, you know, you think about conference tournament, you're going to have, your top four seeds get a double buy. So who's going to be that fourth team? Will these three teams do what we expect them to do? I think so. I, I think, um, you know, you talked about North Carolina's backcourt. I think Caleb Love going on to Arizona is a win for both parties. And I think that Elliot Cadeau, RJ Davis backcourt should be a much better combination mm-hmm. there. And so I think those three teams are your top three teams behind that quickly, Andy, any dark horses, and then we'll make some conference champ predictions. Yeah, a couple dark horses there. If you're if you're making the assumption on those top three, which I agree with you, I think those are probably the top three teams uh, in the ACC next season. But I think Virginia is going to be right in that conversation. They get Reese Beekman back. He's an incredibly talented player, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And we talked about Tony Bennett and the job that he does. Uh, Clemson, they get PJ Hall back again. I think they they lost a lot of talent. Hunter Tyson's a tough player to replace, but I like what that team's doing. And then I kind of toss Syracuse and Pitt sort of in that conversation as well. Uh, probably not winning. It, but could they be top four? I think absolutely. JJ Starling and Judah Mintz is a really, <laughs> really good backcourt. Uh, how Syracuse responds to not having Bayheim to having a new coach is what 
to me, one of the more fascinating storylines that we're going to be following this season. Pitt gets Henson back. They add a nice transfer in Zach Austin out of high point. They got a handful of four stars coming in. To me, that's a team that could Federico, be Federico, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think there's a handful of teams that are kind of in that conversation. But to me, it's, it's going to be between uh, Duke, Carolina, and Miami are kind of the, the top three right now. Okay. Yep. I, I agree with you all there. The only other one I might watch out for is how long are you going to keep Leonard Hamilton down, right? Like what's Florida state going to do to read? They weren't as bad as Louisville. Thank goodness. <laughs> but you take away Louisville and we're talking about how bad Florida state was last mm-hmm. year. Andy, let's make championship predictions, both in terms of regular season and conference tournament. Cause often mm-hmm. those are very different things that it takes to win those two. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going Duke in the regular season. I, I think, again, the, the experience they're bringing back with so much continuity, I, I think this is a team that's going to win enough games to win the ACC regular season. But give me Miami in the conference tournament. I, again, I, they have a little bit more just overall experience on their roster. And I think we see Laranega teams really, really kind of thrive towards the end of the year. I mean, back-to-back Elite Eight appearances doesn't just happen. And those <laughs> Miami teams were good and deserve to be in the Elite Eight, certainly. But, like, they didn't come in with those kind of expectations. He seems to get that team rolling at the right time. And I think that there's a good chance that they're the team holding the trophy at the end of the conference tournament championship. Ah, Andy, here's what's funny. My picks are literally flip-flops from here. (laughs) I have Miami as my regular season champion, Mm -hmm. repeating uh, as they shared it last year, the conference championship. Here's why I'm not picking Duke, Andy, because the last time Duke won an ACC regular season championship, any guesses as to when it was? See, my instinct, and I'm guessing it was longer ago than this because you're bringing it up, but my instinct would say 2018-19, that that team with Zion and R.J. Barrett. Is it not that? It is not that. You're so dead wrong because because Zion blew out a shoe against uh, North Carolina, (laughs) and and so they they did not win it there. No, 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 no. Uh, In fact, let me get back, and I'll tell you, 2019 was Virginia and North Carolina actually shared it. Virginia had that streak of five in a row from 18 to 22 and actually mm-hmm. from 18 to now, cause they shared it with Miami last mm-hmm. year. So stupid. So here you go, Andy, the last time Duke won the regular season ACC championship 2010 when they wow. shared it with Maryland, Maryland wow. was still part of this conference. The last time Duke won the last <laughs> time they had an outright regular season championship was 2006. Jeez. So all that to say, until Duke proves it different, I cannot, in good conscience, select Fair enough. <laughs> and then, I, but I will take the Blue Devils to win the conference tournament championship because that is something they have done still a lot more lately. I just think it's too deep to pass it by. Well, Isaac, who's going to take home the hardware in the ACC next season? Who's going to make the first team player of the year, coach of the year, all of that good stuff? We're going to give you our rapid fire predictions <laughs> after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time, unquestionably, to join FanDuel. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you will not want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. 
Andy, I've never asked you. You a Seahawks fan? What are you rocking up there? In the- I am. I'm mostly like a fan of my fantasy football teams is kind of the deal. Um, I did cover the Seattle Seahawks professionally, so I kind of got, a, got a, a chance to root for them in a more intimate way that way. But I, I kind of grew up just watching football and, and rooting for it, whoever I wanted to root for. But now I, I do follow the Seahawks. Geno Smith, baby. Let's see if he can do it again. That's right, man. I've got a, a fantasy draft tonight against my boys. And uh, so hope I've got the first pick, though. Got to go, Justin yeah. Jefferson. Easy. There, there you go. You're set. All right, Isaac. I want to close out the show today doing our rapid fire one sentence discussion about our all the superlatives, all the awards in the ACC. I'm going to start giving you my five player all ACC first team. And this was a really tough exercise because there are a lot of very, very talented players in the ACC. But give me Kyle Filipowski from Duke. Give me Armando Baycott from North Carolina. Judah Mintz at Syracuse, Reese Beekman at Virginia, and then another Dookie, Jeremy Roach, to round out the top five. Who you got? Uh, I'm right with you on Flip and Baycott. Flip was on the second team last year, Baycott on the first. And then I've also got Reese Beekman, who was interestingly on the third team last year. And listen, I did a bad job of getting any guards on my team. I'm not one of those, like, it's got to be an actual team that you'd field. Um, But P.J. Hall from Clemson, I think, is going to have a monster year in the paint this year for the Tigers. And then my man Norchad O'Meara from Miami, I think, is going to have a massive year. Interestingly, Beekman, Hall, and O'Meara all on the third team last year. I think they're rising up to the top this year. Player of the year for me, uh, I'm guessing it might be the same for you. I don't know if we listed them in the same order, but I'm taking Kyle Filipowski. I think he's going to have a monstrous season, uh, going to get a lot of a lot of touches down on the block for Duke. And if he can expand that three-point shooting, he's going to be the dude in the ACC next year. That's exactly who I have. Yep, he's got a lot around him, but I still think there's enough there for him to statistically rise up and do it. Coach of the year next, uh, I'm taking John Shire. I'm sticking with Duke here again. If I expect them to win the regular season, evidently for the first time since 2010, uh, in that case, John Shire would almost certainly be the guy taking home that coach of the year. And if they can get uh, some production out of some of the incoming freshmen and and solid production from those guys coming back, like not just Flip, but also Mark Mitchell and Tyrese Proctor and, of course, Roach, uh, I think then Shire is going to be the guy who holds that trophy at the end of the year. Andy. I hate coach of the year voting because people never vote for the, the, like there's nothing wrong with your team being really good. And then you coaching them really good. I feel mm-hmm. like coach of the year is always like, Oh, we thought you'd win two conference games and then you finished eighth, yep. Right. Like, I feel like that's mm-hmm. how people vote. It infuriates mm-hmm. me, but because of that, I'm going to go with Leonard Hamilton almost as like comeback coach of the year is I think how people are going to vote, right? Like mm-hmm. they were so bad last year. They're never bad. Mm-hmm. And so if FFSU, FSU finishes in like the top eight, Le- mm-hmm. Leonard Hamilton is winning this thing. Yeah. A transfer of the year uh, going with Harrison Ingram here for Ooh. North Carolina. I think um, he's not a transfer. He, he was already in the ACC, Andy. Ingram was. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's from Stanford. You had me for a second there. I was like, wait a minute. And I guess he's still transferring schools. I just had to make a joke. No, about that was good. Team. That was good. Uh, Ingram, I think, is a really solid fit in the system for, for Hubert Davis. I think as a stretch four, kind of a point forward, I think he's going to have a really nice season. We'll see if he puts up the numbers necessarily to win this award, but I think he's going to be really valuable to that Tar Heels team next year. I like that. I thought about him. I, Andy, I struggled and I'm just, I'm going to hedge. I apologize. Mm-hmm. For me, it's either Hunter Shallis at Wake Forest or Matthew Cleveland transferring, interestingly, up uh, 
south in the state of Florida from Florida State down to Miami. Hunter Salas, I mean, we've talked about it so many times, but Wake Forest under Steve Forbes has had these guards transfer in and blow up. I think he's the next in that line to have a blow up year. And Matthew Cleveland at Miami, I think he's going to kind of step in maybe to some of that Jordan Miller role and really help out there. Freshman of the year, there's a couple of really solid options here. I'm going to go with Jared McCain, and I think that his role is a little bit undefined right now. I think he's going to start and play big minutes, but of course you have Proctor and you have Roach kind of in that guard room for, for Duke, but McCain is just such an unbelievably talented player that I think he's going to find his way uh, into this award at the end of the season. Yeah, and Andy's precisely what you just said is why I didn't pick any of the Dukies. I think just because of a lack of understanding of role definition for yeah. them and maybe not any of them in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went with North Carolina's Elliot Cadeau because kind of role definition. I think he, mm-hmm. from day one, should be the starting point guard for the four guys around him being really talented offensive players. And then I think because of that, He's going to be able to step in, have big assist numbers, score some as well. And so I'm going with Elliot Cadeau for my freshman of the year. Six man of the year, the final one here, and far, far and away the most difficult one to project is we don't know what lineups are going to look like at this point. Uh, I stuck with the Duke again, uh, and I'm going with Caleb Foster. And again, it depends how this starting lineup shakes out for Duke, but if you expect that Proctor and Roach are going to start, I expect McCain to start as well, but it's unclear. Regardless, Caleb Foster's coming off the bench. He's a top 25 prospect in the class. He's really talented. I think he fits that offense well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up big numbers in a reserve role, potentially enough to take home this trophy. Yeah. Uh, I'm interestingly going with another Gonzaga to Wake Forest transfer. Uh, I'm not sure because we don't know yet if he's going to be eligible because he this is his second transfer started at LSU. And that's Efton Reed, who will be hopefully playing for Steve Forbes. Andy, I know we got to get out of here. My favorite ACC player. DJ Burns, NC State, the load in the middle. The dude is yeah. a like round mound, but he is nimble, and I love watching him play. Folks, make sure you check out NC State's big man in the middle. I love mm-hmm. me some DJ Burns. All right, man, Andy, conference previews underway and rolling. 32 of them we've got coming up for you before basketball tips off in early November. We want to thank you for checking in with us today for being here, man. It's so fun to actually kind of talk basketball ahead mm-hmm. of the season. If you would go follow us on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. I'm at Isaac Shade, and you can follow the show at Locked On CBB. Make sure to subscribe on audio and video formats. If you're watching, smash that like button to let us know you are here. Hey, leave your comments on the show. We'd love to know where you agree with us, where you disagree, your thoughts on awards and conference champions. Andy Patton, as always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats. Are there any in the ACC? I don't think so. But until tomorrow, peace.